So remember, we're talking about, we're getting to the, I uh, talked to you about intercession. And intercession is a form of prayer. The, um, uh, 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 a definition of intercede or intercession is this. To approach the king, and in case, our case, the king, God, on behalf of someone who has no standing, who has no place in God. So intercession, uh, I've, uh, you know, when it comes to people who are lost, who are not born again, who haven't got a new nature yet, or those that are backslidden, I've never seen any of them intensely following after God. Mostly, I remember where I was, I didn't care nothing about God. I was just living in sin. And so that's where they are. So it's only, you know, if maybe they got in trouble, they might approach the Lord. But what I want you to understand is that the Lord needs you and I to intercede. And it's a form of prayer. And, uh, you know, it's been a long time since I have covered this topic in length in this church. As a matter of fact, it was 1997. I think I'm overdue. And so I'm going to talk to you all the Wednesday night, the core of the apple where all the seeds are, and we're going to produce some things, and we're going to get some things done on Wednesday night because I know the time we live in, the Lord wants us to pray so that people would be born again. You say, well, that's all up to them. It's really not, and I'm going to show you that, that really we must pray. We must intercede. We must uh, prepare something that God could intervene in their life. And in our circles, spirit-filled, uh, tongue-talking circles, a lot of times when you say intercession, everybody immediately thinks groaning and travailing in other tongues. But that's not the only form of intercession. It's only a part of intercession, and you can't make that happen. You do, that's only as the Spirit of God wills. But the Bible is full of things that we, you and I can pray to intercede for people. And we're just going to slow down, take our time. And w like when I was just, I was holding a meeting in Champaign, Illinois, and it was a prayer conference. And I told them, we're going to actually pray at my prayer conference. Amen. Have you ever gone to a prayer conference and they taught on prayer and then they never prayed? I have been to so many prayer conferences where they taught on prayer and they never prayed. I thought that this was a prayer conference. And so we prayed. And so at the end, we're going to save enough time. Oh, my goodness. We're going to have to really hurry tonight. We're going to save some time and we're going to pray a little bit, all right? We're going to pray for some people. And so last time we talked about godly sorrow. And so one of the things that we see in order for people to come back to the Lord is godly sorrow is necessary. The Bible says godly sorrow produces repentance. What is repentance? Repentance is not just, I'm sorry that I got caught in something. Repentance is, um, as my mammal said, sorry is as sorry does. The Bible says in the book of Acts that after someone repents, there is, uh, there is actions that meet up with their repentance. And a lot of times in the modern body of Christ today, people are saying, well, nobody, after you're born again, you don't have to repent anymore. Well, that's just unscriptural and not true. It's just not scriptural, and it's not true. It's someone who's taken a teaching, taken it to an extreme, and put it in a ditch. But we're going to stay out of the ditches, all right? And we're going to stay with the Word of God. And so the truth of the matter is, all throughout the book of Acts, you see repentance. Well, the reason I'm talking about repentance is godly sorrow works repentance, and someone who is not born again needs to repent of their sin that they're living in and their rejection of the Lord Jesus Christ. It happened in Acts chapter 3. It happened in Acts chapter 2 when uh, Peter got up and preached on the day of Pentecost. He told them to repent. He told them to repent. In Acts chapter 3, after the man from the gate called Beautiful was raised up, there was a bunch of people there, and he said, repent. 
And then you see when, uh, y'all remember the, this in Acts chapter 8 in Samaria. Remember when Philip went down there and he preached and the whole city got born again. And there was one dude named Simon and he was Simon the sorcerer. What about Simon the sorcerer? Well, he was large and in charge of that city. He was the spirit as a, uh, as a practor of sorcery. He was the spiritual leader of the city of Samaria. And they all looked to him as the spiritual leader. But they misinterpreted it. They really thought it was God. It's the, that's what the word says. They thought it was God. There is no um, uh, palm reading, no tarot cards, no call get a, a word from a demon that, uh, that is ever God. No Ouija boards, no, no uh, readings, no, um, no spiritual guides. There's only one spirit you ought to guide by, and that's the Holy Ghost. No horoscopes, no telescopes. No telescopes are okay. Just no horoscopes. Are you with me? All that stuff is demonic. It's nothing to be played with. Nothing to be played with. Get off preaching here a little bit. Shouldn't be watching TVs, things about demons. Why would you let that in your house? Anyway, so he was leading. And, uh, but the Bible says he got born again. The whole city got born again. It says he got born again. And, he got, and they says they all got water baptized. So that means all means he got water baptized. And they made, remember Peter and John came down. And they talked to them about the Holy Ghost because the Holy Ghost had not yet fallen on any of them. In other words, they hadn't spoken in other tongues yet. They were not baptized in the Holy Ghost yet. And so Peter and John, they were laying hands on people. And, and Simon saw that through the, laying on, the doctrine of laying on of hands, which we just practiced right here, it's a biblical doctrine, that through that, the power of God uh, came on those people. And he wanted it. And so he offered Peter some money. And then Simon got into really big um trouble. Because he said, your money perish with you. You can't buy this gift. And he said, I perceive your heart is envious and there's guile in your heart. Why was, but, but listen to me. Simon was born again, water baptized. So you can't argue with me that he wasn't a Christian. So, so what did Peter say? You better repent. Because he said, this is going to happen to you. He said, oh, you pray for me. Now, we never know if Simon prayed or not because it doesn't do any good for somebody else to pray for you that way because you can only repent for you. But he told him to repent. What is repent? Change your way. That there ought to be, fr- you know the thing about Peter, uh, Simon? He didn't realize later, I, I know the Bible hadn't been written yet for him, but he didn't realize that as a believer he could lay hands on anybody that's born again and they would get filled with the Holy Ghost. So, but the thing that he wanted, I think he began to long for being in charge. They once followed him, right? And, and, and he wanted to give out. The, he once worked in a power. But my point is, I don't want to get off. They told him to repent. Everybody say repent. So that's a born-again believer who must repent. Well, see, repentance, though, is not, and godly sorrow is not, uh, having a fence up here <laughs> and all of us leaning over it and bawling until we've bawled it out. God, that's not necessarily godly sorrow. That can just be an emotion. So I'm not looking for emotions. God, I'm not looking for anything, actually. God is not looking for emotions. Um, he's looking for true godly sorrow, which, meet, which works with repentance. And then repentance has a fruit, has an act. 
Amen. Why am I talking about this? So if we're going to pray for the lost, we got to know what they got to do. Number one, they need to be sorry for rejecting Jesus and the sin they're living in. Until they get there, I don't know that they're coming to the Lord. Because right now, they don't think they need him. And they ain't sorry about nothing they're doing. And they're living in their old nature. Something has to happen where there's a godly sorrow that comes to them. That needs to, then they realize, I've got to repent of that. And whether that's a believer or a non-believer, godly sorrow works repentance. And then aren't you grateful for Romans 2, 4, I believe it says that it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. It's not the severity of God. God's not putting anybody in an accident. He's not causing any hurricanes. He's not causing any tornadoes. He's not causing any bad things. He's not causing any earthquakes. He's not a destroyer. That's not how he gets your attention. That's what the devil does. But it's his goodness. It's his goodness that leads people to repentance. And so why am I laying the foundation? Well, number one, the Holy Ghost told me to because I was going to skip all that and get right to, oh, to this. But um, when it comes to praying for the lost, praying for the backslidden, we have to, the Lord needs you. Aren't you glad of everything he's done for you? Are you saved? Are you sanctified? Filled with the Holy Ghost? Are you healed? Are you blessed? Come on, are you in your right mind? Or at least most of it. Right? You know what I'm saying? I mean, you got a bed to sleep in. You got a car to drive. You ate some food sometime this week. You know, you're so much more blessed than most of the people of the world. And God's protecting you and blessing you and watching. We have a lot to be grateful for. And the Lord wants us to walk in the highest and the, ble- and the best. And he wants you to be blessed. But he doesn't want us just to think about us forward no more. He said, you know, freely you have received. It's time to give it away. Raising a generation from infants to adults to know him, but also to make him known. We're walking through a door of power right now in the body of Christ, and I want to walk through that door where God is able to reach into this nation and the nations of the world uh, with his power. And part of it comes, and and I've told you this before, Every time you see where the church of God was increased in the book of Acts, you back it up and you see power. And then you back it up and you see prayer. Prayer is real. You know, in the world right now, they say things like, well, you know, don't send me your prayers. Well, we're not sending no prayers nowhere except up. I'm not sending my prayers to nobody. I'm sending them to him. He hears me when I pray. So I'm not sending my prayers. Don't send your prayer. Don't, don't, don't text someone and say, I send, I send my prayer. Don't send your prayers to anybody. Pray. Tell them what you prayed. But don't send them your prayers. Send your prayers up. All right? And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to pray. All right. So how do we pray for the lost? Well, number one, faith always begins where the will of God is known. So we're not going to spend a lot of time on this, but I want to remind you of something. 2 Peter 3 and 9. 2 Peter 3 and 9. So faith always begins. You can never walk in faith unless you know the written word of God, the logos, because if you don't know what God has to say about it for, for you uh, or for, you know, what, because the, the word of God is the will of God, and even for you personally, you can't really have faith for anything until you know the will of God. All right? And so when it comes to praying for the lost, we have to know what God's will is concerning the lost. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. 2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but he is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should 
not willing that, how, how, many, how many of people is it the will of God that they perish? None. None. But that how many should come to what? Repentance. But see, what does it say? Repentance. So they have to come to repentance. But how many should come to repentance? I want you to see the word repentance. How many all should come to repentance? It's interesting. And not, um, not by mistake the word repentance is used. There's something about repentance that is necessary. I'm not talking about bawling and squalling. I'm not talking about rolling on the floor in guilt and shame. I'm talking about true repentance. Godly sorrow works it. But his will, and he's not slack concerning his promise that everybody, everybody on planet earth, it is his will that they be born again. So that's established. But let's reestablish it. It says in Romans 10, 13, Romans 10, 13, it says, whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be so who, how many people? Whoever. Whoever. No matter what country they're from, no matter what they look like, no matter if they only heard a, a sentence about Jesus or they heard about Jesus all their life, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. 1 Timothy 2, 4 through 6. We left off on this one. We had a lot of fun with it last time. Y'all remember? 1 Timothy 2, 4, some of you don't know what it is, but I'll remind you. Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2, uh, I don't know if anybody can change my screen that's here by the camera, but I can't read it, it's so small. Uh, who, will ha- who will have all men to be saved and come into the knowledge of the truth? So how many, how many people would God, ha- what's his will uh, for uh, how many coming to be saved? How many? So when we pray for the lost, when someone is lost, thank you very much. When we pray for the lost, what do we know the will of God is? We know the will of God is for all men. So everybody in China, everybody in India, everybody in Nigeria, everybody in Puerto Rico, everybody in, uh, on the, in the Bahamas. I should go to Hawaii because everybody in Hawaii, uh, anywhere you want, everybody in Alabama. It is the will of God for them to be saved. It's never his will for anyone to go to hell, period, end of story. Who will have all men to be saved and come, not only that, but also after they're saved, come into the knowledge of the truth. Not just get saved, but get discipled and come into the knowledge of the truth. That is the will of God. Verse 5, for there is one God, just one, and one mediator between God and men, the man, Jesus Christ. Who, would have, who gave himself ransom for all to be testified in due time. Amen. Praise God. And then let's look at this. Let's look at 1 Timothy chapter 2. Let's back it up. And how we get into verse 4. You remember verse 4. He would have how many men to get saved? And so then this kicks back into prayer. So let's look at 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 through 4 again. We already read 4, but I want you to see that. So it is, you agree that it is the will of God. I mean, everybody understand. It is, is it the will of God for everybody to get born again? Is there anybody on planet earth that's unreachable? Even if they're nasty, even if they mean, even if they're ahead of a country and causing great problems. No, there is nobody outside of the reach of the Lord. Amen. And so what should we do for them? Well, it says, I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications. That supplication is a fervent prayer usually done for believers. Prayers, all kinds of prayers. Intercession, which is what we're talking about. What is intercession? Approaching the king on behalf of someone who has no standing. And giving of thanks be made for how many men? Well, how, many, how can you make thanks for all men? Well, you do it by the Holy Ghost as he leads you. Verse 2. 
For kings, we, we'll just go over this again. Uh, kings have been in the news. I don't know, you know, uh, everybody is thrilled and enthralled with uh, the Great Britain thing there over there, and there's kings other places. But how do you know that Charles didn't get to become king because he was a good guy? He didn't get, how did he get to become king? Because he was born that way. Because of his DNA. Because of the order that he was born in. That's it. That's the way kings and queens have always been. Kind of scary. Right? Because there's good ones and there's bad ones. And there's no way to get rid of them unless you kills them. Right? So what are we supposed to do for kings? Pray. Did it say, as a believer, did it say rebel against? No, it said pray. Talk bad about. Hate. Despise. Refuse to pray for. Because you ain't my king. For kings. For all. Now this, people say, well, that all uh, in authority just means spiritual. All means all. You can't pick it. You can't change the word because you don't like some things going on. It says for all that are in authority. So that's spiritual authority and authority. And there are some nations like ours who elect their leaders. And people get elected by the will of the people. Like it or lump it, that's what happens. The Lord, you know, I think it was about 16 years ago, he asked me if I understood elections. He said, do you, Mark, because I was praying about some stuff. He said, do you understand how elections work? Now, anytime the Lord asks me a question, I really don't know the answer, but I do know the answer. And so this one, I was like, ooh, ooh, I know the answer. And, and he, he, I started to tell him the answer, and he interrupted me. He said, they, uh, in your nation, <laughs> like I didn't know, but I do know, but I guess I didn't know because of the way I was praying. He said, in your nation, uh, they vote by their will. And I don't change people's, I can influence, this is what he said to me, I can influence them, but I don't change things well. And this is exactly what he said to me, and I don't rig elections. And that's what he said to me 16 years ago or so. Whatever, I could take you back to the cycle of who it was. But what is our job after people are born, after people are born again, after people are elected, what's our, well, hopefully they get born again. So what's our job? For kings and for all. Everybody say all means all. all, means, all. means everybody I like. Everybody I like. Say it. Everybody I like yeah. and everybody I don't like. Yeah. What am I supposed to do? Pray. Pray. Why? That we may lead a quiet and peaceable life. Well, no, it depends on them. No, it depends on your prayer. Well, it depends on what they do. No, it depends on your prayer. I know I'm preaching crosswise, but I shouldn't be preaching crosswise. This is in the word, written down. That we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. Verse 3. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. Verse 4. Who will have all men to be saved? Praying for those in authority has everything to do with evangelism. I don't know why. But God set it up that way. I can't change it, and neither can you. And so I want to pray for everyone who's in authority. Because I, number one, is it about me? I want to lead a quiet and peaceable life. It seems to me that I can lead a quiet and peaceable life when there's chaos around me if I'll do what the Word says. In other words, their chaos won't touch me. Their confusion won't touch me if I do what the Word says. And I do want people to be saved. 
And I want them to come to the knowledge of the truth. So we're talking about intercession. So did you know when you pray for those that are authority, it is a form of intercession? Amen. You wouldn't think about that. Well, no, it's prayer of authority. No, because he said intercessions and prayers and thanksgiving. But it is a form of intercession because when you pray for them, for whatever, however it works, he, you are then also praying for those that are lost. But let's look at this. Um, this, I was listening to... We're going to go to Matthew. Don't put it up yet, but Matthew chapter 9, verses 36 through 38. Matthew 9, 36 through 38. Um, I've been listening a lot to my spiritual father. You know, he's been home with the Lord 19 years. And uh, I got a hold of some of his old stuff. And I listened to him at the gym. And I listened to him every night before I go to sleep. And um, I was listening to some things. And I'm hearing some things because these are old tapes. And uh, it's kind of funny and they're, but in some ways because uh, they're not that good quality in some of them. But he was talking about this subject in this way. He was talking about being led by the Spirit of God. Uh, he talks about he had an uncle named Larry, Uncle Larry. His mother had one brother, and he said, of, uh, and Larry, Uncle Larry, was not born again and had never, uh, go, hadn't gone to church and didn't raise his children in church, and things were a mess. And, um, and um, he went home one time to do some business for his mother, and she was talking to him about Uncle Larry, and she said, pray for your Uncle Larry. You know, things are a mess. Uh, he doesn't look well. Um, he's lost lots and lots of weight, and uh, you wouldn't even recognize him, all that kind of stuff. And so he went and did his thing, you know, I guess. I don't know where he went to do his business, but he said he was going down the street. He was driving a car, and he, he uh, drove by a guy, and he, from the behind, from the gate of it, it looked like Uncle Larry. And he had thought about, you know, stopping and picking him up, but, uh, um, but he didn't think it was after he got close because the man lost so much weight, he didn't recognize him, so he went on. And then about two blocks later, he said, he's like, that was Uncle Larry. And so he pulled over, and he just, because he didn't recognize, he said he just wept for him and began to pray for him. And he said, God save Uncle Larry. God save Uncle Larry. And this is what Brother Hagin said. He said it was like uh, somebody in the back say, seat said, that's what I'm a trying to do. And he's like, who said that? And he, put, and he said, so he looked behind in the seat to see if somebody was back there because it was audible, it was loud. So the Holy Ghost spoke to him in a loud, audible voice. And he said from that, uh, and then he went on to say, you know, over the years he had fasted and prayed for Uncle Larry for times. And he said if anything would have happened, he didn't know of it. For all those years he had fasted because it's his uncle. And, you know, you get the whole world born again, do everything you're supposed to do. But if your family goes to hell, that's, you know, that's someone you know and love. So he's praying for him. He fasted for him. That's serious when you go fasting for people. But, and you would think that that would do something, that that might break something. But it didn't do anything because fasting doesn't change God. It changes you. And so the Holy Ghost then, the Spirit of God said this to him. And he gave him this scripture uh, Matthew chapter 9, verses 36 and 38. He said, but when he saw the multitudes talking about Jesus, he was moved with compassion. I prayed for you today that as a church body, we would be moved with compassion. Because they fainted and were scattered abroad, they were sheep that didn't have a shepherd. That means everybody on planet earth, the Lord wants, Je Father wants Jesus to be their chief shepherd. And everybody ought to have an under shepherd because they're sheep and sheep need a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is truly plenty. You all know there, how many people are on the planet Earth right now? 7.5 now? Billion? Is that the latest? 
It keeps going up. How many know that's a lot of folks? How many know how many, what, what percentage of the earth is born again believers? That's a whole lot of harvest to end up in hell. If everyone in this room got 100 million people born again, that's just, that's just a drop. If every one of us got 100 million people born again, that's just a drop in the bucket. That's not acceptable. No wonder the Bible says that the father, the husbandman, waits for the precious fruit of the earth. People are not expendable to him. They're his children, many of them away from him. And Jesus said the harvest truly is plenteous, but the problem is the laborers. Well, I just think we ought to go about in our little small circle here fixing that problem. Yes, Pastor Mark, you need to train more ministers. Oh, stick around. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about you, the core, the apple, the seed in you. The harvest is truly what? It's an abundance. But the laborers are what? Then the Lord told Brother Hagin to pray this way. Pray ye therefore that the Lord of the harvest, that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. So this is what he prayed, inspired by the Holy Ghost. He said he just prayed it out. He said, Father God, you know Uncle Larry, and there is a laborer. He said, I guess I'm not the laborer because sometimes, you know, family is not the right laborer. But, Lord, you know exactly, exactly who to send across his path. And I ask you to send a laborer across Uncle Larry's path, and I thank you for it in Jesus' name. And he said, That's he said, years I fasted and I prayed for that man. And he said, if anything changed, I didn't know it. He said, but then the next time I went home, his mama said to him, hey, I want to tell you about Uncle Larry. He said, what? He said, he's saved. Some man came to him and told him about the gospel, and he's saved, and he's in church. And Brother Hagin said there was a time later when he went down, his uncle was having a procedure, and he went by to pray for him, and he said he just wanted to make sure he was saved. And he, ta- he, he talked to him about salvation. He said, oh, yeah, I'm saved. Thank God to be born, because you know when you're born again. What's my point? He prayed, uh, he was praying, but it was the wrong prayer. So what is the right prayer for people who are lost? What's the true prayer of intercession? Lord, send a laborer, an exact laborer that will reach that person who will know what to say, how to say it, so that that person will come to you. There are laborers. Amen. And if you want to send a laborer, you ought to be a laborer. Amen. If you're going to send somebody, then you ought to be a laborer. I tell this story, and I can tell a little more, um, you know, um, my dad, um, when, uh, after I got, came back to the Lord, me and my sister went away to Bible school. My dad grew up in a Pentecostal home, and he saw some things at church and then saw what not to do at home, kind of similar to Pastor Rhonda's story. And so he didn't really talk about it, didn't seem bitter to God, but, you know, my dad, um, um, he was backslidden. And he was a good backslider. And so he went to church at Christmas and Easter, and he was a good man, and he took good care of us, and he was, he was a great, he was a good guy. But he was backslidden. 
And he, I think he went to uh, church with my mom on Christmas and Easter. And that one time that I preached in my home church for the first time, he and my cousin Davey were there. And, you know, they were going to support me, but that was it. And so, but, uh, um, so when I got back from Bible school, I got a hold of this. So I began to pray because my mom had been back in church and my sister. And so, you know, it's my dad. So I preached to everybody else and I don't, you know. I want him to go to heaven, and I'm not sure I didn't know all his background then. As a matter of fact, I never knew he'd been to church a day in his life. I never had known he was. And, and when we started quoting the Bible, he could finish it. He just, he just kept it a secret. He knew what we were talking about all the time. He just wasn't, didn't want to participate until I got married. And my wife said, y'all talk, y'all talk about the things of God away from him. You need to talk about the things of God in front of him. And so anyway, but that was so this was before that, though. So I began to use this scripture. I said, Lord, my dad, um, you know, I, I don't feel like you're going to use me, but I ask you to send laborers across this path. So I ask you to send whatever you got to do, wherever you got to do it. There's laborers that are going to go across this path. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. So I used to be an itinerant minister. And I ministered in Indiana, Illinois, Kentucky, Wisconsin. And so one of the churches I went to was in the cornfields of Indiana, outside of Terre Haute, uh, where I went to college. So it was about 45 minutes from there. And I mean, it was in the cornfields. Um, I don't know how I got there except by the grace of God because my, my, um, in the Holy Ghost I can follow good directions, but before GPS, I don't know how. I had, I had to pray more of how to get there than what I was going to do in the service. I'm just telling you, I don't know. Pastor Rhonda still makes fun of me. We're in a hotel, and she just waits to see which way I'm going to go. She's just mean that way. And, and a lot of times, one time I came back to get something in the room, and it was because I walked all the way down the hall and I came back by the room, and I just, I don't know. I, was just, I get embarrassed. I don't, she even was like, which way should we go? Just to make fun of me. But anyway, and so I, I got to this church in the cornfield, and after the service, we had a service, man. Woo! Their theme was the church alive is worth the drive, and I'm telling you, that place was packed out, and the glory of God came in there, and we had church. And, uh, and so th- these two ladies came up to me afterwards, and they said, Garver, that's an interesting name. Do you, do you have a relative that works? And they gave the place where they worked, and I said, uh-huh, that's my dad. And they, they started laughing. I said, what's so funny? And they say, because they, they worked on machines. And so they were, the, and so they're like, he's in the middle of us, and we're on the left hand and the right hand. And all day long, every day, all he hears us talk about is Jesus. Jesus in the morning, Jesus at the break, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. All day long, every day. Hallelujah. And some of you know that we're here. My dad, when he moved down to Alabama, he, uh, one of the most faithful church members, got born again, well, came back to the Lord, filled with the Holy Ghost, went through Bible Institute, uh, was on staff here at the church, helped us. Um, Praise God. But I think it had a lot to do with those two ladies. Because I'm telling you, they was on fire. I mean, you can just, woo, on fire. I thought that was cool. Sometimes the Lord will open a door for you, pull back the curtain so you can see that your prayers really are doing something. And I think that was what that was. Because I only really went to that church one time. But I got to go there. And it was powerful. My saying to you is this, this prayer works. Let's make sure this is the way we're praying. And I got a whole lot more notes. Well, let's look at Luke chapter 10, verse 2. 
because I do want to pray. I'm not going to take a long time to pray, but I do want to pray. Therefore, he said unto them, the harvest is truly great, but the laborers are few. Well, if the laborers were few when the population was small, now the population has exploded. So you need way more laborers than you did even back then. If there were few then, there are fewer now. As a matter of fact, I've been praying out by the Holy Ghost, where are my laborers? Where are my laborers? Where are my laborers? Well, they're going to be because the Lord's going to have laborers for the last day. And you and I are going to be those laborers, aren't we? I said, aren't we? You are a minister of reconciliation. You have the word of reconciliation. You don't have to be an evangelist to get somebody born again. You just got to be like the woman at the well. Come and meet a man. Not me. Meet a man. Meet Jesus. So he said, pray ye therefore to the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth labors in the field. So one of the main prayers of intercession is for us as a group to pray the laborers into the harvest field. But what I want you to do is, uh, and this is your assignment. You didn't, I know you're not thinking you're in school, but this is your assignment. I want you to think just one or two, just one or two. I want you to get laser focused. One or two people in this area. Now, if you need to add a third or a fourth that your family live in other parts, you can, you can pray for more than one or two people. But I want you to pray for one or two people that you know here, either you work with, a neighbor, a friend of your child's, uh, uh, somebody here that needs to be born again or you know is backslidden. And if they're not in church, um, that's a good sign that something's wrong. And pray for them that laborers would go across their path. Laborers would go across their path. So how do you pray that? Father God, I thank you for uh, Joe. I ask you to send the right labor, someone who would be able to minister to Joe, someone who knows exactly what Joe needs to hear from you. I pray that you send the perfect labor across Joe's path. And I believe that when they get to Joe, that his heart would be ready. I command the blinders to come off of Joe's eyes, that he would see the light of the glorious gospel, and he would receive the word of God. And he would run into your goodness, Lord, because it's your goodness that will lead him to repentance. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. And if you pray that prayer, believe that, then you would change it. So now I've already prayed for Joe. I believe that someone's going across Joe's path. Now all I got to do, I don't have to pray that prayer again. Thank you, Lord, that you heard me when I prayed. And I thank you, Lord, there is someone going across Joe's path. And if it's a multiple group of laborers, I Thank you, they're going across and going across. Thank you, Lord, you heard me when I prayed. I thank you that labor is going to Joe, and I believe Joe is coming into the kingdom of God in Jesus' name. And that's how you pray. Psalms 2.8 says this. Psalms 2.8 says this. Psalms 2.8 says, ask of me. So it seems as though God can do nothing until somebody does what? It's a legal thing. He knows what you have need of before you ask, but you still got to ask. Well, if he knows what I have need, why don't you just give me? There's something legal about it. So the devil can't say anything about it. There's something legal about it. When, when God's been asked, then he can do. Ask of me, and I'll give you the heathen. Who's the heathen? Well, people who live in certain countries. No, heathen is anybody who is not born again. I don't care if they're dressed up. I don't care if they're a billionaire. If they're not born again, they're a heathen in the sight of God. 
Heathen does not mean savage. Heathen does not mean, heathen does not mean third world. Heathen means not born again. Ask of me, and I'll give you the heathen for your what? Salvation is all-inclusive. Healing is part of your inheritance. Doing well is part of your inheritance. Being protected is part of your inheritance. How do you have to get your inheritance? You claim it. I mean, if, if, if you had a relative who died, and they left you something in their will, you got to go get it. you got to claim it. If I went to Walmart or Kroger and brought, bought you $500 worth of groceries and left your name there and your name on it, you have to, in order to get it, you got to go claim it. Either, or in other words, I did it in vain. So we don't want anything that the Lord has done to be in vain. But you and I, you, you all know how to receive, you know, you know, you've received salvation, receiving healing, receiving prosperity. Receive the heathen for your inheritance. What if you just start believing for one a year? And you lived, let's say you started when you were, let's say a person started when they were five years old and they lived to 95. So that'd be 90 people at a minimum that they got born again and got discipled and got into the kingdom of God. How I many you know if all of us did that, those billion numbers begin to shrink? I don't believe the last move of God will be done without the body of Christ. I don't believe it's a bunch of superstar ministers doing something. You know what's interesting now, and I kind of like it, uh, ministers on TV are becoming less and less um, uh, powerful, less and less uh, in, big influence. Used to be a, a handful of people would become influence. Now you have to kind of search out, and you know it's not like a group or a handful of people that somebody else selected that this is who you should listen to. And I really believe in the last days that the last day harvest is going to be from the body of Christ. The body of Christ doing what it's called to do. And I believe part of it starts with it's time to get your inheritance. Come on, it's time to get your inheritance. What do you got to do? Well, first I've got to pray. So I want you to think, uh, I'm going to pray with you. You're going to think out loud. Well, you're, gonna, you're not going to think out loud. You're going to pray. I want you to think of at least one or two people that you know that laborers need to go across their path. Now, I need you, and I also need you to do this. It, it seems more powerful when you agree yourself to be a laborer. Lord, you can use me. Somebody somewhere is praying for me. If, I, if there's somebody I can reach, send me as a laborer across somebody's path. Come on, I'm believing God for, for I'm believing God with you for divine connections, divine interruptions to your day. You don't have to have, wait to get to work to see the power. You don't have to wait to get to church to see the power of God. This is where I work. This is, you, don't, you don't have to get, wait till you get to church to see the power of God. You can see the power of God at your workplace. You can see the power of God at, your, at the grocery store, at, at the gas station. In your neighborhood, at a football game. You can see the power of God anywhere. Divine, divine connections, divine ordered your steps to minister to somebody. And just all you gotta do is follow the Holy Ghost. So who is that? Who is who is it that you need to send? You need to send some laborers across. And then I want you to watch. And after we pray today, tonight in faith, then all you gotta do after that is thank God for it. Just thank God for it. I'm going to pray a general prayer. Y'all stand up. Let's pray together. Let's send out some laborers. Woo!
we? And I know when we send out natural laborers, I also believe the angels hearken to the voice of the Word of God. Now, angels don't preach the gospel, but they can help arrange some things. I said angels don't preach the gospel, but they can help arrange some things. Hallelujah. Father God, so you pray as I'm praying. As I'm praying in general, you, 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 in your heart or out loud, you call out that person's first name or whatever, and God knows who that is. And, and then you, from this point on, you just thank God for laborers going across their path. So, Father God, we collectively as a group here on Wednesday night, we come in the name of Jesus, and we see that the harvest is truly plenteous. And we see, according to your word, that the heathen are for our inheritance. And so we claim our portion of the inheritance in North Alabama and Southern Tennessee and the nations of the world that we minister in. And so I thank you, Father God. I thank you, Father God, that we can send out laborers in your name. You said in your word, Jesus, you said to pray to the Lord of the harvest. Father God, we pray for laborers to go across these people's paths. And so we say, Father, when laborers come, that, that these people that we're praying for, that their eyes and their understanding would be enlightened. We command any blinders that are on their eyes to come off in Jesus' name. And we loose the gospel unto them. We loose the power of God unto them. We loose the goodness of God unto them. And so we send laborers. We send laborers across teenagers' paths. We send laborers across young adult paths. We send laborers across everyone that's being mentioned to you in this church right now. We send laborers, the right labor, the right person, just like you've done in times past, just like your word says to do. So we believe you for it. We ask you for it. And we know that you are prompting those laborers to go forth. And, Father, we in this room, we agree to be laborers. We agree to be your laborers. As we send forth laborers into the harvest field, here we are, Lord. Send us. Use us to be laborers in your harvest field. That there's some mother, there's some father, there's some sister, there's some aunt somewhere around the world praying for someone in Huntsville, in Madison, in this region to minister to their, their child, to their niece, to their nephew, to their friend. And so, Father, use us to be a minister of reconciliation, a laborer in the harvest field. And we thank you for it. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. I'm going to let you go in just a minute. A lot of times, you know, um, we take people all over the world. We do missions trips, you know. We've taken people to uh, Rhonda's favorite country, and we've taken people. To, I have to be careful because we're going to Rhonda's favorite country soon. And, um, you know, we've taken people to the Philippines and Chile and Ecuador and Central America and, and all kinds of stuff. And it's interesting when we take a team, they're so excited. And in the morning, they get up with one mission on their mind. They're there to minister. They're not called to the five-fold ministry, but for this two weeks, they're called to minister. And so they get up every morning ready to minister. And it's amazing watching them on the street. Man, they'll get people born again. They'll lay hands on the sick, see, see, see things happen on the street. In the meetings, I like, to, I like to train people. And so I don't, when I'm overseas, I don't do all the laying on of hands. I send my team out to lay hands on people. And, man, they talk about feeling the anointing and how God did this and how God. And it's just fun to watch. And then we've been doing this now for 20, I don't know, six, seven years of the 29 years we've been here. And it's interesting. Then when they come home, that person I saw in the mission field, they come home and they, they lost something. 
Because I saw them laying hands on people and I saw them excited about God. And I saw them, they could preach at the drop of a hat. Not, not, annoying, you know, not called to be a, 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 an evangelist or anything, just ready to share. And I asked the Lord, it's like, this is not what, I, what we intended, is it? Weren't we intending to take them over there and let them see that and then come back? And he said, the deal is this. Over there, they wake up to minister to somebody. Here, they wake up to go to work. They wake up to go to work. Do their stuff. Cook their dinner. Vacuum the carpet. Mow the grass. Take the kids to all their events. And there's nothing wrong with that. How many know you got to live? But when you're aware that you're number one, a minister of reconciliation, just be like the one with the well. Come meet a man. Come see Jesus. It's not hard. But you got to keep him first. Amen? Amen. Well, Pastor Mark, that's why we, we got a great staff, man. We even got Aldo on staff. No, we, we have our own evangelist on staff. He's getting people born again for us, right? Not for you. He's here to inspire you, to help you get people born again. Just because he might be one of the greatest outreach, outreach directors in the world, he's here to inspire you, not to work for you so you don't have to do it. Tomorrow morning, get up to do something for God. Come on, I'm talking to the core. I wouldn't say this necessarily on a Sunday morning, but I'm talking to you all. And if I can get you all to do it, you'll influence everybody else to do it. Do your thing. Man, when you do something for God, he might help you sell something that you never intended to sell. Make a whole lot of money you never intended to make. You start doing God's business, he'll take care of your business. You start doing God's things in your career, you'll be getting raises and promotions that you didn't think you earned and nobody else thought you earned. Hallelujah. He'll start making things work. 